You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And before we start, today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them that Locked On sent you. We are two riders who got our start at San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog. We've been covering the Chargers for over six seasons, doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live. I also write for the LA Football Network, and this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. What's up, guys? Welcome into the show. Super excited to be here after a long layoff, a three-day weekend. Definitely want to just take a moment to appreciate you know, what we have on Memorial Day weekend and just really send our thoughts and prayers to all the loved ones of families who are in the armed services and have lost their sons and fathers because that's really what this day is all about. So before we get started, I definitely want to talk about that just because we obviously have now two people in our podcast now that have to do with the armed forces. David was obviously in the army and now John is following in those footsteps. So David, we did take a three day weekend, but obviously that is a day that is very important and we definitely wanted to take in this moment and really appreciate those who have fallen. This day is all about remembrance. It's all about remembering and honoring the sacrifice of the men and women who gave their lives for our country and the freedom that we get to enjoy on a daily basis. I mean, the United States of America is one of the best countries in the world, and it's because of those sacrifices. So we definitely got to remember that, yes, we got to enjoy a longer weekend, but it's because of those sacrifices of those men and women who gave their lives for this weekend. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, we are coming to you on a Tuesday and our schedule will be a little bit different for the next month and a half. And thank you for, you know, listening to this long intro. But it is important because we are now technically in our off season. So we will be doing three shows a week. I would say most weeks it'll be Monday, Wednesday, Friday, but every single week we'll be back with you on Monday, obviously, this weekend being the exception. So we will be here three times a week. The shows might be a little longer. If there's obviously anything important going down, we'll jump back on to do an emergency episode when we have to. But just wanted to give you guys the heads up and we will make sure that the content you're getting on those three days and what you're getting out of it is better than ever. So excited to tell you guys about what we have going on today, though, because John Kegley, the long lost host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, is called into the show from basic training, only has a couple of times he can get his phone and we actually got his thoughts on the draft. So we're going to start the show there today and get into what he thought of the Chargers' first two-round picks and wanting to watch a little bit of film on the rest of them. But so excited to hear from John. We're definitely excited to get him back on the show when he gets back. So it is also Twitter Tuesday, and we wanted to get you guys involved in the show today. So in segments two and three today, we'll be getting into all of your guys' Twitter questions, and we got some really good ones. We'll talk about who has a leg up in the wide receiver position, in the wide receiver three spot for the Chargers, we'll talk about how we trust the Chargers' run defense, as well as more on Julio Jones and how many all-pro players the Chargers could have in 2021. So, David, let's go ahead and get into it. Anyone who's been listening to the show long enough, one of the guys that we started with, one of our best friends, John Kegley, was one of the original hosts of the Locked On Chargers podcast. And right now, he is in Oklahoma at basic training joining the army and obviously as his friends we are very proud of him but 
one thing that has brought is he's been really disconnected, you know, from the rest of the world. This isn't something you get to go sit on your phone every day for. So John had an opportunity to get his thoughts on the draft after he found out about it and send in a voicemail to the Locked On Chargers voicemail line, which you can reach at 323-524-7924. But John Kegley has finally broken his silence on the draft. Let's hear what he had to say about it. Um, It's your co-host, John Kegley, uh, somewhere in uh, the middle of America. I guess they call this place Oklahoma, Fort Still, whatever. I don't know. It's middle of nowhere, most bipolar weather ever. Um, excited about the draft, at least the first two rounds for sure. The other two guys I'd like to research, but Ray Sean Slater and Sante Samuel Jr., I believe, is hitting the jackpot for us, and I'm really excited to see what those two guys can do. It's been kind of a train wreck here, a bunch of uh, immature people. That I have to sit around, but hey, that's the army, I guess, right? You have to learn to get along with everybody. I uh, miss everyone on this show. I miss the co-host, and as I'm making this phone call, 18 more days till I get my phone back permanently and can be on the show more often. Take care, everyone. So first, let me just say that <laughs> it's going to be very fun to get him back on the show. He always brings something, you know, that me and David don't. We all kind of bring our own different, you know, flavor to the show, for lack of a better term, but. Right now, I mean, that's tough, man. I mean, David, you've gone through it to just get so disconnected, you know, for 10 weeks and just kind of leave everything that you have behind and be, you know, totally on your own with just a bunch of new people and new faces. I mean, that has to be incredibly difficult. Oh, man, you you have no idea. I mean, especially with, with people who are on their phones and connected to social media and talking to their family and friends all the time to just abruptly change that and take that away. It's it's tough. And then you're in an environment where it's extremely stressful and very strenuous. And their whole job there, the, the drill sergeants at, at basic training, for those who don't know, their job is is to change you and to to eliminate your civilian identity and remold you and reform you into the soldier they want you to be. So they're stripping you down and they're physically and mentally changing you into what they want. So it's a very harsh and very difficult environment to be in. Yeah, and as we were talking about too, like John's one of the older guys out there. I mean, he's in you know our age in the late 20s and he's in there with a bunch of kids who are 18 and 19 years old. So for John... Especially those who know John, who sometimes seems like a 90-year-old man sitting on his porch <laughs> telling you to get off of his lawn. You know that's tough for him. And he's an Oklahoma country, boomer, sooner country. Which for I mean, a he got on me. He got on me for not adding enough stamps to the letter I sent him. I mean, that gives you an example of John Kegley right there. Yeah, I think, yeah, it was right after thank you. I mean, it didn't come before thank you, but uh, <laughs> if there was a thank you, I don't even know, but... Either way, I mean, John's definitely going through it, but it was great to hear his thoughts on the draft class. I mean, obviously, first and second round home run picks were Sean Slater, Asante Samuel Jr. John was with us and got to do some mock drafts. He had had those guys, you know, at one point or another in most of them. So that is easy, right? I mean, we knew he would be excited about those two. We couldn't wait. You know, we were, if only I could go back, you know, and relive that moment <laughs> and find out for the first time that they got Rashawn Slater and Asante Samuel Jr. with their first two picks. But obviously he liked those, and we know John you know, wants to watch the games, watch the film, all of those things. So when he gets done you know, watching everything after round two, David, who do you think is a guy that he's going to like out of those guys? 
Yeah, I think one of the guys that just sticks out to me is Brendan Hymas. I just really think he's going to love Brendan Hymas because of his durability. I mean, playing 40 straight games at the collegiate level, playing at a, at a school where it's known to be corn-fed and, and just, you know, big, beefy guys out there. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that's just what they expect, right? So I think he's just going to look back at that pick and after watching film and just looking at all the intangibles, I think that's a guy he's really going to love. And we know Johnny you know, has been right with us talking about the depth and just overall talent of the offensive line of this team for a long time. So seeing them double down at that position, I think, will be something that makes him very happy. I'd be worried if, about the third round picks, but before yeah. I get into that, I will say the one I do think he'll like is Josh Palmer. Because I think when you look at Josh Palmer and you just see the stats, right? I mean, that just doesn't tell the story. So I could see him looking up stats on Josh Palmer and being like, what did the Chargers do? But then you see him play. Then you, you know, realize how good of a week he had at the senior bowl. And you see the type of competition that he was owning in the SEC. I mean, the guy put up really good numbers against some really good corners. So I was excited. Terrible quarterback play. Exactly. You don't see the terrible quarterback play show up on the stat sheet really for him. So once you see that, it kind of puts things more into perspective, but David, I'm worried about Trey McKitty because Let's look oh, back yeah. at, you know, the guys that John has kind of said, I'm going to keep my eye on you, right? The first guy that comes to my mind is Justin Jones, right? I mean, oh, he yeah. was, I mean, and Trey Pickmans. I mean, those are the two guys that John has disagreed and with. And Craig Mager, too. Yeah, going back further, you know, pre-locked on, it was definitely Craig Mager. But those two guys in particular, he was super against them. And now there's Trey McKitty, right, who... You see six receptions, right? You turn on the tape. It's better than that. But he wasn't super involved in the offense. He's not an elite blocker right now, even though the willingness is there and he's better than most college blockers, I would say. But that would be who I would be worried about, John, not liking, even after he watches his tape. Because I just, like many people, don't think he's going to agree with the value there. And potentially, you know, he might have gone with someone else. That, that's where I'm going to. I just think that in a lot of the mocks. I knew it. I we mean, didn't even talk we were about taking, that. Yeah, we didn't talk <laughs> about him at all. But I just, I know he's going to look at this guy after taking him in the sixth and seventh rounds in his mock drafts leading up to this and be like, the Chargers took him in the third round? Are they crazy? Right. I mean, a lot of us had that same feeling. And I think when he sees that pick in the third round, especially after what happened with Tommy Tremble. I think he's going to be very angry at that pick, and he's going to be very critical of it, and he's going to be watching him like a hawk, and he's going to be one of those guys where he's going to have to prove his worth at that pick. And it's hard for me to even be mad at John because, I mean, we don't know. You know, Maybe he'll like it. I'm sure he'll be able to watch some Florida State games as I'd well where really he's a surprised. different player. Yeah, I mean, he, he did pick him, I think, yeah, in one of his drafts later, later on in his mock draft. So, I don't think he's going to like the value there at all. I mean, maybe he comes around on the player and the potential just because he does fill a void that the Chargers don't have as far as a physically imposing tight end. If he can get there, you know, and bulk up a little bit more and keep that aggressive blocking nature, he definitely has a chance to move some people around. But that is the one I'd be most worried about. Maybe Mark Webb, just because I know he was a proponent of adding more safety help to the team too with the guys they have. And he said, you know, 18 days until he can get his phone back full time, we'll have him calling into the show and things like that. But just super good to hear from him. I know a lot of people have been asking what he thought of it. That's obviously to be continued to some extent, but very excited about the first couple picks. How could you not be? But we do want to get you guys back involved in the show. So coming up in the next segment, 
We're going to be talking about the Chargers' run defense because of the light boxes that Brandon Staley likes to run defensively and how many Chargers can make an all-pro team in 2021. So we're going to get into that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help you even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for the good money habits that you have. When you use your Credit Karma money debit card, you can win daily instant karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. That's pretty fun, guys. I mean, just being able to be a part of this, they're just going to give you prizes potentially to do it, and they're going to help you as they always do. And just pay with your debit card. If you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your instant karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Free money that they're giving away at Credit Karma. Open up your FDIC insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and no fee withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. Right now, visit creditkarma.com slash winmoney to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com slash winmoney to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. Win free money. That's creditkarma.com slash winmoney. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. All right, guys. Well, it's Twitter Tuesday, and we wanted to get some questions from you guys. And once again, you really brought them. And I also want to say, too, just because we're going Monday, Wednesday, Friday does not mean that we're going to not incorporate Twitter Tuesday in some capacity, right? I mean, we still will probably have some Tuesday shows on some weeks. We'll definitely let you guys get your questions in there. But on Mondays, make sure you're always looking out for the post to add your questions so you guys can get them talked about on the show. So for the second consecutive Twitter Tuesday, at least, we have a question, we have a question here from Instasis. And I think he lays out a really good question here, David. What he says is, long question, the Chargers run defense last year was average to below average. Brandon Staley led the league in light box rate, which means that there's less people close to the line of scrimmage. So a light box is anything seven or less. That's a normal box. Brandon Staley does not like to run super heavy boxes, which can hurt you in run defense at times. He also says Jerry Tillery is going to play 100%, is going to play inside 100% of the time. Justin Jones has slimmed down. How confident are you in the run defense for next year? So This is something we've talked about, right, David? I mean, Christian Covington, obviously, is some needed beef to the interior of that defensive line. I think that obviously helps. But it's also going to be a 3-4 front a lot of times, right? I mean, I know it's, you know, maybe 20% of the time they're in their base formation. But if you have three guys out there right now, we can safely assume it's Justin Jones, probably Jerry Tillery, and Limbaugh Joseph. You have backups right now of guys like Christian Covington, Maybe Cortez, Broughton, Braden, Fehoko. It gets a little bit thinner after that. So are you concerned with the way Brandon Staley plays run defense, with the way Brandon Staley's schemes usually line up that the Chargers could be vulnerable in the run defense game again in 2021? I mean, I'm a little concerned, of course, because I just think that they need to add to the defensive line. But I trust Brandon Staley a lot more to get the right personnel groupings in there and also He'd like to use those personnel groupings to attack the offense. So I think this is really going to be important for the young linebackers like Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray. And also remember that he expects his defensive backs to get involved in run support. I mean, he wants his corners, he wants his safeties to be involved. So a healthy Derwin James, a healthy Drew Tranquil, those guys I think are going to have a really big impact on this run defense. 
It's definitely more than the defensive line, but that's been the part we've been talking about the most, right? And I think that's just because we know that there is some talent on there. I mean, Justin Jones at this point, it's like, you know what he is. He's not going to give you any pass rush production from what we've seen so far. I mean, in the zero sacks he's had in most of his seasons as a Charger, but Jerry Tillery, yes, there's still some upside there. Limbaugh Joseph, maybe he can recapture some of the pass rushing ability, you know, that he had earlier on. And I think Brand Staley will help him get there. And Brand Staley likes to run a lot of very wide fronts. And one of the things that does is it makes it harder to double team guys off the line of scrimmage. It makes it really easier for linebackers to find easy gaps to go in and fill. Same for safeties and things like that. But the one thing here is he doesn't have Aaron Donald, right? Which Changes kind of everything. You have to add special attention there. He does have Joey Bosa, but that's on the edge. The interior for this Chargers defensive line, I'm a little afraid it's going to get pushed around. You know, if you go up against a team like the Patriots where they're committed to just burying the ball down your throat in late game situations when other team doesn't want to give you the ball back, can you get the ball back to your offense if they're just running the football? Those are all things I think that are legitimate concerns, and I think that's one of the places the Chargers are really showing the most faith in what they think Brandon Staley can get out of this team, but get out of this scheme. But I think that's a really good question. I think it's warranted. But let's get into super fan Zach here, who has two questions. And those are if we don't get Julio Jones, who is the wide receiver? Three for the Chargers, Johnson, Guyton, or Palmer. And the other is who is one Chargers player still living that you would bring back? Mine would be Merriman and Hardwick for depth purposes is what Zach had to say. So one thing I will say is being a football player is a lot different than just being in shape. I mean, part of the reason that those guys are both out of the game is because the game took a lot out of them, and it takes a lot to take that beating on a day-to-day basis. And at their ages, they wouldn't be able to come back to the NFL, probably, right? You know, it would have to be a super limited capacity. It's a lot harder than you would think and a lot harder than just being in good shape. But the wide receiver three-position David, is a good question because I do think right now it is between those three guys. Yeah, I agree. And, I mean, I talked about before how I loved how Tyron Johnson developed throughout last year. I think he really added some elements to his game, some better route running, some more consistency in the big moments. I really liked how he just got better as a player. So I think it's going to be between him and Josh Palmer. I think they talked very glowingly about Josh Palmer, that uh, Brandon Staley and Tom Telesco, that is. I think he's going to have every opportunity to come in and earn spots because the last couple of years, there's been a lot of in- inconsistencies at the wide receiver three position. And I think they want some more just consistent production out of that area. So I think that was part of the reason why they picked Josh Palmer also as that contingency for Mike Williams. But I do believe it's going to be between T. Billy and Josh Palmer. Yeah, that's kind of how I see it as well. And I'm actually writing something right now for the LA Football Network. So I won't get into it too much, but... I would say that even though he had less stats than Jalen Guyton last year, Tyron Johnson and Jalen and Justin Herbert had a better connection than Herbert and Jalen Guyton. And some of that, you know, his drops, Jalen Guyton caused him to not be the leading, you know, passing yards player or rookie quarterback in NFL history, but I don't remember any of that. Either way, there is a legitimate conversation there. I think Tyron Johnson, you know, catching 76.9% of his passes would definitely give him an edge there, but they picked Josh Palmer for a reason, right? So I think Josh Palmer could start slow, right, potentially, and maybe he's way more incorporated by the end of the season. So 
I will have more on that, obviously, when I write about it for the LA Football Network, but those are just kind of my initial thoughts on it. Let's get to one more question here. This is from Eastmail, who says, how many charges do you see in the All-Pro team this year, and which ones? So, David, I'll let you go first. How many? I'm going to go three for, for that one. I, I think there's three potential guys that I can see getting that all all pro nod at the end of the year. And I think it's Corey Lindsley just because he, he earned it last year. And I don't think there's any reason to believe barring injury that he can't earn it again this year. I think Joey Bosa is another one who has the has obviously has the potential. If he stays healthy for 16, 17 games, I think he can look back at the end of the year and have a very, very impressive stat line. We have not seen the best out of Joey Bosa. I think the best has still is still yet to come. And the third one is Derwin James. I mean, for the same reason. If he's healthy, he's definitely one of the best at his position. And I think there's not much debate about that. So three guys I can see potential earning that all-pro nod. Yeah, I mean, those are guys that definitely have the talent to do. Obviously, recency bias. Corey Lindsley made it last year. Yeah, he's the yes. current reigning first-team All-Pro center. And I think in this conversation, we can probably use the first and second team. But I think when you're looking at it, you have to look at who is probably going to beat out the players. So for like Justin Herbert, for example, right? He has to beat out Josh Allen, right? Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. That's really tied at the top there, right? So... That's very hard for him to do that. Those three guys could definitely displace people that are currently on that list because they have the potential to be the top players at their position. I would say a sneaky one, Keenan Allen. I think that Keenan Allen has a chance to squeeze into a second-team All-Pro team, and I think part of the reason is there's six options. You can go with six wide receivers on those two lists, right, with first and second team. They do three wide receivers for both of those, so... That is one where I think he could put up a top six wide receiver production season. I think that last year, you know, we didn't really finish the way he wanted to average less than 10 yards per reception. We know how the Saints in that offense use Michael Thomas. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I do think you could see a big jump in production, at least as far as efficiency for Keenan Allen in 2021. Maybe he sneaks into the top six wide receivers in the NFL, but we do have one more segment to get into, but we have more Twitter Tuesday questions to get into. So coming up right after this, we'll talk about the case against bringing in Julio Jones. We'll also talk about who gets the third safety spot and potentially how we became Charger fans. And we're going to get into that coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the best protein bar in the world is Built Bar. I mean, the conversation is over. We've had brackets. We've had competitions. Built Bar has always come out on top. And Built Bar is nice because it's all great for you. I mean, you're going to find a bar that is low sugar, low calories, and high in fiber and high in protein. But most importantly to me, it's about the taste. And Built Bar has great tasting bars. They're all 100% covered in chocolate and soft and easy to chew. And they give you a great variety. There's nine different flavors to choose from. You can go coconut. You can go peanut butter brownie. There's so many to choose from. And the best part is you can buy a mixed box from BuiltBar.com and you can try every single one of them. You can change up your daily routine. You don't have to have the same one over and over again. Even though, you know, I've had about 100 peanut butter brownie bars, still, you can switch it up. You'll never get tired of them. And right now, we can even save you guys some money because if you go to BuiltBar.com, you can use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15, all caps, one word for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, so we do have some more Twitter Tuesday questions to get into. So if you guys want to get your questions on the show 
Almost every Monday we'll be putting out a post for Twitter Tuesday questions and you guys can send us your questions to get read on the show. But let's start here with Mark Hollingsworth who hit us up on Twitter and had a different kind of conversation about Julio Jones. This is what he said. Hey guys, why all the chatter on the Chargers sites about how great it would be to get Julio Jones? No one in the national media is mentioning the Chargers as a potential landing spot. We don't need him in my opinion because 1. We are deep enough at wide receiver with young talent on rookie contracts. Two, haven't we learned our lesson about acquiring expensive over-the-hill veterans? And three, any player who lets it be known to anyone who will listen that he wants out of here has the potential to be toxic on his next team. What do you guys think? So, David, I know you have some strong thoughts on this, and obviously we've both been advocates of, yes, of course you would want to add Julio Jones and add that talent to the team. What do you have to say? So first, Daniel, I'd like to address the expensive comment, because if the Chargers were to trade for Julio Jones, they'd only be responsible for his remaining base salary on his contract. So looking at his remaining contract, he's scheduled to get $15.3 million this upcoming season and then $11.5 million in the two seasons that are after that. So that's essentially a three-year, $38 million contract. So in 2021... That puts him in line with Cooper Cup, who is the 16th highest AAV in the NFL at $15.7 million. And in 2022 and 2023, it drops down to the 21st highest average annual value, which is currently Curtis Samuel. And I think we can comfortably say that Julio Jones is quite a bit better than both of those wide receivers. So that's a pretty reasonable contract. And also, he's definitely not over the hill. If you look at the numbers, I think they speak pretty loudly. In Julio Jones's last complete season in 2019, he had more receiving yards than Keenan Allen achieved in any season of his NFL career. Julio also boasts Five seasons of 1,400-plus receiving yards, including a monster season in 2015 where he had 136 catches and 1,871 receiving yards. So he's definitely not over the hill, and he has a track record of success in his NFL career. Also, I don't think you can really call him toxic because... He hasn't had any off-field issues at all in his NFL career. And so I think he's just at a point in his career where he knows he's not going to be able to win. And Atlanta, who is clearly rebuilding, he's made his money already. And I think now he wants to win a championship. Well, I mean, I definitely think you could say, hey, it's toxic, you know, for someone to just be like, hey, I don't want to play for your team anymore. I mean, for sure, you could definitely see that. Obviously, he does have a long track record of being a great teammate. We've never heard anything other than that negatively about him. But what I will say is we also don't know the situation. I mean, there's a situation potentially where the Falcons and him came together in a closed-door agreement that they were going to trade him, right? And he handled everything the right way, and he went to them and said, hey, I want to be traded, didn't leak it out to the public or any of those things. The Falcons said, yes, we will trade you, right? And then they didn't. Like, we don't know. He could have done everything the right way, and when that didn't work, with them rebuilding, he's trying to salvage, you know, the last few years of his prime going to a team where he could contend for something more than the Falcons are contending for currently. So that part of it, I, we just don't know. And I think that it's unfair to label this guy of one situation of being a toxic player. And, you know, the Broncos would take Aaron Rodgers, right, with all that toxicity coming out of there right now, right? If it's a quarterback, teams aren't as worried about it. The Chicago Bears would have easily taken Russell Wilson, even though he said that he doesn't really but might want to be traded, right? So I think all of those things are semantics, and they're looked differently 
at different positions. But I do think that trading for him makes your team better. And I saw a comment to that, you know, saying that we don't really need him, all of those things. We'd rather trade for an expensive defensive lineman or a really good defensive lineman. Sure, but we don't know which one of those guys are available. We know Julio Jones is on the table right now. That's what we're talking about. So, yes, it would be better to add to different spots of the team more than wide receiver. That's not necessarily an option right now. But we do have a couple more questions to get into. So let's go to Joaquin26930476, who had a few questions for us. But firstly, he asked... Say that three times fast. Yeah. Who do you think wins the third safety spot between Gilman, who's a low-key Gilman, and Mark Webb? So we know those are you know the third and fourth guys on the roster right now. Those are really all they have besides undrafted free agent Ben DeLuca. But how do you see that playing out for that third spot, the next safety on the field for the Chargers? Yeah, I think it's a little too early to tell right now. I mean, I think that is definitely going to be something that we need to watch for in training camp. It's going to be one of those battles that we could definitely be uh, paying very close attention to. But based off of Tom Telesco and, and Brandon Staley's comments about Mark Webb, I think that Mark Webb is going to be given every opportunity to win that job. And, you know, given how Alohi Gilman's been used, I mean, they haven't really trusted him to be on the defense, on the field, on defense at all. So I don't know how that's going to change or how quickly that's going to change. They also did say, hey, we're going to allow these guys to come in and compete in camp and, and, and try to earn a job in camp. So we'll see. But I just think that Mark Webb is the type of defensive back that Brandon Staley loves and a guy he can really kind of just mold into what he wants him to be. So I think Mark Webb is going to have that opportunity first. But again, I do believe it's going to be an open competition. Yeah, I mean, the thing about Alohi Gilman is he's a six-round pick from a different coaching staff. Yes, it's from the same front office for the most part, but they don't have the ties. He might not get the necessary leg up that he might have in previous years. Tom Telesco has said that he thinks Mark Webb will get this defense down and create a role for himself defensively. That's more than we've heard about Alohi Gilman. They can say as much as they like that they want him. What we saw from him last year on special teams and on defense on the rare occasion he was out there was subpar, so it's really hard to have any expectations like that. Also, Mark Webb was a very raw prospect in college, so they can say he has good coaching and all of those things, but his coverage ability at times was questionable. He is a good tackler and all of those things, but it's asking a lot for a seventh-round pick to come in and be your next safety off the bench, especially if one of those guys gets hurt. That guy becomes the next starter off the bench, but Walking out at a couple more questions, I will answer this one really quick. He asked, how do you think each running back roster on the roster fits in Joe Lombardi's Shanahan wide zone scheme? So we are going a little bit long already. I'll kind of break it down. I think it works better for pretty much every running back on the Chargers, maybe except for Josh Kelly. But the Chargers running backs weren't meant for a power scheme, you know, like Anthony Lynn wanted to run. He wanted to move people off the, off the line of scrimmage. He wanted to be able to run the ball up the middle on second and third and one and all of those things. The Chargers didn't really have the players to fit that style. So I think the guy who fits it best is probably Justin Jackson because I think he can get that seam when you're getting you know stretched out towards the sideline. If he gets out in open space and he can burst through the hole, I think that fits his kind of big playability that we've seen from him in the past. And if he stays healthy, maybe we'll see it a little bit more. But the other thing is, is Larry Roundtree was brought in to fit this system, right? I mean, they picked him knowing what they wanted to do offensively. So I think he is a really good fit for it as well. And Austin Eckler, he wasn't fit for the role they used him in before. I think his upside in the rushing game is something that we'll have to keep an eye on as well. But 
I do want to get to this one because Buxton Bunny asked a question, and I know that for certain countries, it's hard to get into the voicemail line, and he's actually asking his question from Australia. So he says, bit of a random question coming from 90 minutes outside of Sydney, Australia. Not all of us fans are from San Diego slash LA. How did you guys become Chargers fans? So David, you first, how did you become a Chargers fan? Well, I mean, it was just in my family. I grew up in San Diego. I was born and raised in San Diego, and the Chargers were all I knew. It's all my family knew. That's I was indoctrinated to be a Chargers fan from birth. It's just as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say that I had some grand story as well. I don't. I mean, it was the same thing. My dad liked the Chargers, right? And growing up, I wanted to like the things that my dad liked. And I think that's how a lot of us get into sports, your dad or your mom, you know, what your family is doing. You want to like those things. You think they're cool if they think they're cool. And maybe I'll never forgive my dad for making me a Chargers fan at such a young age. And obviously with the Chargers moving and everything, I still support the team. I cover the team. It's no you know question that we obviously are fans as well, but did let me judge everything a little bit more objectively and kind of see things a little bit more clearly through those lenses. But if only John was here, he has a way better story because he sees LT on TV and just, you know, wants to be just like him, starts running everywhere he goes, gets into great shape, starts playing football, helped him with a lot of, you know, depression and anxiety stuff. John has the coolest story, and unfortunately, he's not here. But we all got, you know, into Chargers fandom in different ways, you know, mostly family related, I would say. But that was a great question from Buxton Bunny. We appreciate everyone who reached out on Twitter Tuesday. But that is going to do it for today's show. And don't worry, I know it's only three shows a week now, but we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. And on tomorrow's show, we're not sure what we're going to get into exactly yet. We do have some voicemails. We're also going to talk about some early training camp battles that we could see developing. And the Chargers have some OTAs from June 2nd to June 4th, so we might be able to get some content out of that as well. But until then, guys, make sure to go follow the show wherever you get your podcasts from, whether that's the new Odyssey app, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. And if you guys like the show, we've really appreciated everyone who has reached out to us and has said some really nice things. And before we get done, I do also want to just spotlight a couple of people who reached out to us. You know, we obviously want you guys to rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. But thank you guys who reached out on Twitter. We have Brett Austin who was just saying he didn't know how to review. You can do it on Apple Podcasts or whatever in the review section. But thank you for, you know, really kind of getting our show in that way and reaching out to us on Twitter. And also to Vic Monroy on Twitter who actually said that he was super harsh on us early on and now he really loves the show. And it's taken us a long time to get to where we're at. We definitely had to find our footing. So, Everyone who's been here for the long haul, we really appreciate it. And we really appreciate you guys giving us a chance to grow with this show and kind of turn it into what it is now. And all of our new listeners for just giving us the chance to bring you Chargers content on a daily basis. But that is going to do it for us for today. We will be doing a voicemail show soon. If you guys want to get in on that, the number is 323-524-7924. And we're trying to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show you can follow me on Twitter at DanTalkSports. You can find David on Twitter at DroTalkSD and the show on Twitter at LockedOnLAC. We also have a Facebook page, Locked On Chargers. You can find us on Instagram at LockedOnChargers as well. But we're back with you guys tomorrow with some brand new content. And until then, take it easy and go Bolts.